This is Common Ground, KCRW Berlin's talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Serhadi Nelson. Today we'll be talking about a business that affects many people who live in the German capital. KCRW Berlin senior producer Dina El-Sayed explains. Airbnb and Berlin have a complicated relationship. The vacation rental site promises travelers to live like a local, while actual locals complain the portal is linked to the housing shortage and high rents that are forcing them out. Travelers flock to the site in search of deals and comfort, which Airbnb has developed a reputation for. Make yourself at home, wherever you go. Their customers are not just tourists, but people looking to move, as was the case with my UK friend Mona Sarr in 2018. I spoke with him on Skype. It was supposed to be a stepping stone, getting an Airbnb, and then looking around and hoping to uh, to get into the rental market. He rented a Prenzlauer Berg Airbnb for two weeks as he went apartment hunting. Mo says, despite the nice surroundings, he didn't feel comfortable there. You got the impression that you were doing something wrong. The landlord or the, the person who was renting you from Airbnb was really emphasizing that you you should try not to draw attention to yourself, that uh, neighbors couldn't really know about this. I felt that it was not entirely on the up and up. It turned out his host wasn't only renting out the Prenzlauerberg apartment, but several other Berlin properties that he listed on the portal. According to the website Inside Airbnb, close to a quarter of all Airbnb listings are by owners with multiple properties. It is certainly not a practice the Berlin government condones, But in 2018, when Mo was visiting, the city appeared to be giving up the fight and relaxed its rules for vacation rental portals. Louisa Beck, a reporter for the Washington Post who lives in Berlin and wrote about the changes, says the growth of such apartments here comes at a price. The more permanent um, apartments are sort of turned into Airbnb rentals, the more that can also potentially hurt long-term residents. Because I think that short-term rentals can also change the dynamic of a neighborhood. You know, there's a difference between having a neighbor who you know and who where you can go to and borrow a screwdriver or ask them to watch your kids for a little bit and having neighbors who are, you know, tourists who you have no relationship to. She says that doesn't mean Airbnb and other vacation rental portals are the only ones to blame for why affordability is a growing problem in Berlin. It's easy to frame Airbnb as the bully or, or, the, or the big company that's coming in and throwing out renters. During my reporting, I also learned, like, it's not that simple because the city has a big problem with providing enough housing to residents and to newcomers. I think that's a bigger problem. But pressure on Airbnb is mounting. Europe's top court last month upheld a French law mandating short-term property rentals be authorized in cities with 200,000 people or more. The ruling gave a boost to an alliance of 22 European cities seeking stricter control over vacation rental portals. The coronavirus pandemic has also taken its toll. According to research by public broadcaster RBB and Inside Airbnb, rentals dropped by as much as half this year compared to last year. But what happens when the pandemic is over? Can Berlin and vacation portals like Airbnb come to some kind of amicable agreement? And what would that mean for Berliners? That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. To talk about this fraught relationship on today's show, Arvenka Christoph, state secretary in the Berlin Senate Department for Urban Development and Housing, who joins us on the phone. Hi, Venka. 
Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for being here. In the studio with me is Christian Eckhart, a Berlin attorney and partner at the firm Redeka Zellner Das. He has represented Airbnb hosts seeking to get permits from the city. Hi, Christian. Hello, Soraya. Thanks for having me. Also on the phone, we have Daniel Hofmann, housing market researcher at the independent consulting institute Gevos, based in Hamburg. Welcome, Daniel. Hello, Soraya. Nice to be here. Venka, I'll start with you. How many Airbnb and other short-term listings does your department estimate are here in Berlin? Well, it's really hard to estimate. That's the first point because there's lots of listings you can see on platforms like Airbnb, but we actually don't have an overall overview because not everyone is registering with the local authorities. And there's lots of um, what we would say are illegal short-term rentals. So we don't have an exact overview of how many rentals there are, actually. So what is it that you want Airbnb to do? Well, the core thing we would like Airbnb to do is to give us access to the data they have available of who is renting out uh, short-term rental apartments. There's actually a court case pending from several Berlin districts supported by our administration against Airbnb to give us access to this data, to this information, so that we can actually check whether short-term rentals are registered with the local authorities and whether they are, for example, also um, for the tax authorities paying taxes that they need to pay as tourist tax, for example. And you're referring to the host paying the taxes or Airbnb paying the taxes? The host. The host. No, it's, it's clearly the host. What we need from Airbnb is to give us access to the data because we don't have any possibility at the moment to actually check where is a certain flat. Is it registered with the local authorities? Under which conditions do they register? Is it like the main flat of a person that they rent out for a certain short amount of time or where they rent out certain rooms? Or is it a second home that they have that they only rent out as a short-term rental, which is regulated and which they should only do for up to 90 days in a year? And at the moment, we have very few possibilities to check whether people are following our uh, ban on the misappropriation of housing or whether they are doing it like in this first case that you, or in this case that you showed where probably homeowners, landlords are not following the rules. Airbnb declined our request to join us today, but in an email they sent this morning, a spokeswoman said the company wants to work with the city of Berlin on, quote, fair and evidence-based home-sharing rules similar to the Hamburg model. Daniel, you're in Hamburg. Can you elaborate <laughs> on the model she's referring to? Actually, I'm a member in Berlin in the Berlin office, so I'm a Berliner, and I'm quite happy not to be in Hamburg. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, we do have strict regulations in, in Berlin. These regulations were altered. The first ones were very, very strict. The, the second from 2018 were a bit more liberal, and I think this is a good model we can follow, and I'm quite fine with that. So the spokeswoman who sent us this email did give a little bit of a description as to what she was referring to. So let me just explain what this Hamburg Mm. model is, because I think this will come into play later. Uh, She says it's a simple free registration started last year by Hamburg digitally. And so it's a page that hosts who are creating their posts on Airbnb are directed to. So Airbnb says it's cooperating with the city so that only hosts with registration numbers can actually do a listing. Christian, let me ask you. Is something like this even feasible in Berlin, like the system in Hamburg? And is what the city wants feasible? I think um, both sort of legitimate views of 
what the city is trying to achieve and what um, Airbnb are trying to achieve uh, can be combined if you look at what Hamburg is doing. Hamburg and Airbnb are cooperating and Airbnb is asking its users to register with Hamburg the city and it's being done in a digital format which is free and very quick and so apparently very efficient. If you look in Berlin you have a sort of uh, you have a very formal application procedure in which you have to apply for a permit. And then this permitting procedure takes quite a while. You have to pay money for it. Sometimes, or quite often, the state comes to your flat, looks at it. So it just takes much longer. It's more time-consuming and it's more expensive. So it's less efficient, I guess. So what do the Airbnb hosts that you represent, what do they want from the city? I mean, we've talked about what Airbnb wants and what the city wants, but what about the people who are actually doing the listings? I think it's of great importance to, from the very outset, when you look at this problem that has been described to say and decide what are the cases that are problematic and what are the cases that we as a city are fine with and then you can actually find common ground. Because I think there is broad consensus that the home sharing is not the problem. If you look at what the law is trying to do, to curtail is really flats being rented out to tourists instead of being rented out to people living in Berlin. So if you have, for example, an investor building an apartment block and then renting out the block not to people living in Berlin, but to tourists, then you might have a problem because you have a flat that somebody could live in and that cannot be used anymore. But if you have somebody who lives in Berlin and then leaves the city for, for a weekend or summer holidays and rents this apartment out during those days, then there's no loss for the city because nobody else could live in that apartment permanently because that apartment has already been used as a home. But is Airbnb actually differentiating between those kind of hosts? In other words, whether it's an investor or whether it's uh, somebody who's giving up their flat while they go on vacation? Well, to my knowledge, Airbnb is basically the platform that um, allows people to come together. And then you have the hosts that provide the offline offer and demand the offline offer. So it's really for them to adhere to the regulation. And I think the Airbnb provides a lot of information on the rules and regulation. And then the second question really is, how can you monitor that? And that's, I guess, where, this, where the city comes in and says, well, we need, um, as we've now heard, we want all the data from the portal. I find that problematic because um, we, we do have a constitutional framework and we do have sort of a legal framework that this demand has to fit into. And the sort of legitimate aim of the city is we want to have all the data in order to be able to sort of divide the good from the bad. And I guess the legitimate view, in my view, of the hosts would be to say, well, we don't want to be citizens of glass. We don't want... Our information, um, if you take this model and take it to Google or to Facebook, we don't want private information that's been shared with private companies to be just handed out to the authorities, unless there is a good reason to do so. Venka, do you think that there is a compromise or that there is a sort of a middle ground that can be reached on what uh, Christian is saying? What Christian has been saying about the differentiation between problematic and non-problematic short-term rentals, I would actually agree with. The problem is that what he just outlined on monitoring the regulations that we have that are doing this differentiation between home sharing for a short time when people are on vacation or studying abroad or something else versus the homeowners that use this as a business model. And I don't see any other possibility besides someone monitoring this differentiation and these regulations. Either Airbnb is doing it or we, with our local authorities, need the possibility to do this. And it's not about producing citizens of glass. It's more about 
that we actually do have good reasons to get access to this data. This is what the court case uh, that is pending at the administrative court is actually about, that we have hundreds of cases compiled where the registration numbers are clearly wrong or are not existing, and we want Airbnb to give us the data of these exact listings, and they don't do it. So this is where I would say I would want to talk with uh, Airbnb about collaboration, and then we can also talk about like maybe making these procedures to register maybe a bit more efficient. But first and foremost, we need the possibility to actually enforce our laws. Christian, you want to respond to that? Yeah, thank you. Um, I think, um, Benke, a sort of a solution out of this deadlock could be the registration model um, in Hamburg, because in Hamburg, if I understand correctly, is that the information that you're looking for is being provided to the city via this registration system. So you don't have to go to the platform anymore because you do get the information that you need via the registration. And because it's efficient and because it's sort of worked into the system, it, it works. Daniel, I'm going to have you take us to another area, I mean, to a more positive outlook. We've talked a little (laughs) bit about some of the detriments of short-term listings like on Airbnb. I'm wondering, what are the positives that you see for these portals? I mean, what do they do that's beneficial for cities like Berlin? From my point of view, as doing research on housing, it's to promote the attractivity of a city like Berlin. We all know Berlin as a vast city, and if you're a tourist coming to the city, it's often not love on first sight, but you get a taste for it. And you know there are completely different areas you like to discover, and you need some more time for that. For many tourists, it's uh, for at least for the second visit, it's a, it's a good offer to stay in a flat rather than staying in a hotel room. And this offer should be there. And um, I think Airbnb is providing that, like many other portals we have here. But, of course, they have to be checked and controlled. That's the problem about it. Another thing I want to bring up is the pandemic, obviously. That's affected every aspect of our lives. And I'm wondering if the three of you can talk a little bit about what impact the pandemic has had on Airbnb and on the city's ability to police. I mean, we've heard in the story that obviously the number of rentals seem to be down significantly this year. But I'm wondering, again, if you can give some context to how else this is playing out. And we'll start with Christian. What I can see and what I can say when I look at myself or friends is that sort of we've changed our, I guess we all had to change our way of life and we've changed our places we live in and the places we move to um, and the places uh, we temporarily live in. So we go for vacation. Some people, I have friends who stayed a couple of nights in Berlin. They are from Berlin, just in a different area because uh, at the moment it's very hard to go somewhere else. I think you can do that via Airbnb. You can do it via a hotel. If you do it via a flat, which is, which is home shared, you often have the advantages that you have sort of a premises for yourself and uh, you don't have so many shared, as many shared premises as you have in a hotel. Venka, what about the restrictions or the rules when it comes to Airbnb, hygiene rules and coronavirus-related rules? I realize that you're not in the health department, but I'm hoping you can speak a little bit to whether there are the controls on Airbnb listings. Like if I go, for example, to an Airbnb apartment, am I going to be assured that the place has been cleaned properly, You know, that my exposure to the virus is going to be as minimized as possible? Because certainly you have those sorts of controls in hotels. As you said, I'm not part of the health department, so I'm actually not sure about what the exact regulations are. Generally, I would expect that Airbnb hosts also have to conform to hygiene regulations similar to those in hotels. 
during the corona pandemic, but I don't think that, like, very practically, if we don't know where these flats are, we can't even control whether they are conforming to these norms, to these regulations. It's a bit easier with hotels because we usually have uh, addresses of the hotels available and they are all required to conform to these regulations. So this is actually an area where um, I haven't heard anything about, like, specific rules and how they're implemented here in the city or actually anywhere else. We are in contact with other cities on this question of short-term rentals, and this, for now the question hasn't popped up. What we know from, like, on the current situation is that the offers for short-term rentals and on Airbnb have decreased by 20% but the bookings generally have decreased much more. And we will see how it's going to develop. Generally, we hope that this was um, an opportunity for some of the hosts, at least. Um, I know that this has happened in Dublin, to actually think about renting out their flats to regular tenants again and actually giving these flats back to the regular renting market. Has it made it easier, Venka, for the city to police illegal listings since the reports suggest that there are far fewer bookings nowadays? From our point of view, there has not been any improvement in terms of control because we are still at the same point that I mentioned before that we don't know where exactly these flats are. Very often the illegal flats that are not registered with us and therefore we did not experience any improvement of our possibility to control these flats. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned to Common Ground on KCRW Berlin. You're listening to 104.1 FM. You may have noticed all your favorite KCRW Berlin shows are airing an hour earlier than usual. That's because Germany set the clocks back, ending daylight saving time. Our programming returns to its regular time on November 1st, when the U.S. turns its own clocks back an hour. For more information on our schedule, head to kcrwberlin.com. And thank you for tuning in. Studio Berlin is our current affairs show on KCRW Berlin. Every week we break down the news affecting our lives here in the German capital. Tune in Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. and Saturday at 9 a.m. on 104.1 FM KCRW Berlin. Or find us wherever you get your podcasts. PRI's The World brings you voices from around the globe. It's your daily source for international news and a gateway to cultures beyond our borders. I'm Marco Werman. Join me right here for the next edition of The World. Tune in to The World Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 8 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Common Ground on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Soraya Serhadi Nelson, and I'm joined by Venka Christoph of the Berlin Senate Department for Urban Development and Housing, attorney Christian Eckhardt, and Daniel Hofmann of the Independent Consulting and Research Institute, GEVOS. We are talking about vacation rental portals like Airbnb and the impact on Germany's capital city and beyond. Earlier in the show, we touched on last month's European Court of Justice ruling. And Venka, how does that affect Berlin's approach to Airbnb and other vacation rental portals? We view this decision of the European Court of Justice as actually supporting our position 
because what they said is that bans on misappropriation of housing, intense housing markets are compatible with EU law, and thereby they supported the decisions in um, French cities to um, regulate the short-term rental market. And this is what we are seeing as a support to our position to uh, ban the misappropriation of housing in Berlin as well and to maybe see how we can tighten this ban. We are actually planning, like working on this law on misappropriation of housing in the next months and actually are also planning to orient ourselves towards the Hamburg model. So this is what we see as a support for um, the city's uh, regulation of short-term housing because in the end, as said, they are contributing to shortage of affordable housing, especially in the inner cities, and therefore we need to regulate them. Christian, so is this good news, bad news for Airbnb hosts, what Venka was saying and also this European Court of Justice ruling from last month? I think if you, you look at the European Court of Justice, it's important to differentiate between the two rulings the European Court did. And the first ruling that we're not talking about now is, um, I'll just make it very brief, is more about the platform and the online um, business. And that was a 2019 ruling, yeah. just to differentiate. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then there's a ruling just from September concerning the offline, um, so the actual rental market. And there, the European Court confirmed that regulations are possible. But I think it's important to look at the, the case that went before the European Court because the European Court stressed that France excluded main residences from permit requirements. So the home sharers, the typical home share main residence, was not need a permit. And that's the case that was um, in front of the European Court of Justice. If you look at the attempt to change the law and to move forward to a more efficient model, I think that's good news. Often regulations, if they are done too hastily, if they're often they they have a there's a good aim, but they're the the net is too wide. We saw that in this law at the very beginning, 2013 and 2014, when the ordinance came into place, the home sharing was treated too harshly. I think there's probably agreements on that when the courts went in and said this is too harsh, you're catching people you don't want to catch with your regulation. So I think if we get a proportionate and sort of reasonable regulation with an efficient registration scheme, which allows people to quickly register, this could be a step in the right direction. We're all waiting to hear what happens with this overhaul from Brussels of the digital sphere uh, in something that's called or will be called the Digital Services Act. And we don't have the details yet, but I'm just wondering um, if you have a sense what impact this might have on short-term listings and portals like Airbnb, given the fact that officials in Brussels have said that they are focused on limiting the power of tech giants. And I'm going to ask you, Venka. Okay, thanks. Yes, I think the Digital Services Act might be a chance for cities to strengthen their position towards platforms like Airbnb and to actually enforce uh, the access to data that uh, I mentioned before because there's a platform of different cities in Europe that is working on collaborating in, on the question of um, short-term rentals for several years now. And this platform hosted a hearing with the vice president of the commission, Margrethe Vesteyer, and in this hearing, we stress the position of the cities, that we need access to data, that it's not about being completely against short-term rentals, but to being, uh, it's about regulating them and being able to enforce our regulations, and that we need European law to support this, that, for example, platforms that have their headquarters in Ireland 
can be reached by our courts, can be reached by our authorities, which is a big problem at the moment. And we've seen quite a lot of interest and support by the vice president to these claims, to these demands from the cities. So we are looking forward to the draft of the Digital Services Act because we expect that it might help us in the future. Any uh, additional thoughts, Christian or Daniel? Uh, I think the main gist of the Service Act is more targeted at other large companies that have the power to combine different apps and platforms, if you look at Microsoft or Apple or Google. I have one last question that I'm going to put to all of you and would ask that you give a, a quick or short answer as we wrap the show up here. And that is, what do you think needs to change about Airbnb or how Berlin is dealing with Airbnb to make it a win-win for all sides? And I'm going to start with you, Daniel. I think Airbnb and other platforms, Airbnb is probably the most pro prominent one, but also other platforms need to be more transparent. Um, I don't mean to publish the names of the customers. That's a contradiction to the data protection laws we have in Germany. Even the state doesn't do that. But um, they should provide more information about where flats are rented out and uh, the, the pure numbers. Christian? I think it's important to keep in mind, as Daniel also stressed before, the numbers we're dealing with, that it's really a tiny percentage that we're talking about, and to keep the regulation proportionate to um, the cases it is supposed to tackle. And looking at that, I think we can learn from Hamburg, we can learn from registration procedure, which is easy for hosts to use and for the city to use, and try to keep bureaucracy at a minimum in order to allow home sharing and to find the cases that the law is actually trying to tackle. And lastly, but not least, Venka. There is a possibility of collaboration, of maybe a win-win situation when we concentrate on allowing home sharing for a short time when it's about anyone's own flat that they rent out for a certain amount of time. And there we don't see a problem. A lot of people are doing this where we want collaboration and support is to get flats that are clearly only used as short-term rentals um, to actually get them back into the regular housing market because we have rising rents to a, a huge extent in our city, like more than 40% in the last couple of years. And we need more flats in the regular housing market. And if Airbnb and other platforms can collaborate to actually limit illegal rentals and then enable not like home shares, then we are clearly on the same side. That's the show for today, and I'd like to thank my guests, Venka Christoph, State Secretary in the Berlin Senate Department for Urban Development and Housing, Christian Eckhardt, a Berlin attorney and partner at the firm Redeka Zellner Das, and Daniel Hofmann, housing marketing researcher at the independent consulting institute Gevos, based in Hamburg. It was great having all of you on Common Ground. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. I'm your host, Soraya Sirhadi Nelson. Next Monday, the day before the U.S. presidential election, you'll hear our recent episode delving into the vote's profound implications for the United States and Germany. Common Ground is broadcast on 104.1 FM in Berlin, or you can stream it via the KCRW app or KCRWBerlin.com. The episodes are also available as podcasts, so download them wherever you get yours. And if you want to pose a question for our guests on upcoming shows, go to kcrwberlin.com and click on Common Ground for details.